Who is God? What does the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Reconnect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Reconnect, the official podcast of Shinchanji, or in English, New Heaven, New Earth. This is Ray, and Happy New Year! It is a brand new year, and to be honest, I don't know if anyone listening right now shares this, but it typically takes me a while to get adjusted to actually remembering what year I'm in. And what I mean by that is like the first few days of January and the first few weeks, or if I'm being honest, maybe February and a little bit of March as well, I'm still referring to the previous year. And that's kind of interesting because when we think about human behavior, a lot of things we do are defined by our past and our past experiences. And actually, this connects to New Year's pretty well because let's think about New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to change this about myself, or I'm going to accomplish this, or uh, I'm going to finally go, go get a gym membership and stick to it. Maybe that's just my personal one. All these things, these resolutions that we're making for the future are things that we reflected on in the past. We're taking those things from the past with us. So it's funny because so much of what we do is defined by our past. The past seems to motivate our behaviors, but does God work like that? Well, let's see the difference between what motivates us as humans and what motivates God? For starters, I think it's important that we kind of reframe the way we think about the Bible. The Bible is 6,000 years of God's work. It's his story. But it's also the story of humans' interaction with God over that same period of time. 6,000 years is a long time. And in every generation, spiritually, described in the Bible, there's a pattern that forms. You see, God is looking to the future. Because from Genesis chapter 3, we have the account of Adam betraying God. And ever since then, sin and death along with it enters his creation, God's creation that he loves so much, has been corrupted ever since. So he's been looking to the future, plotting, planning, and trying to reconnect with the creation that has been lost to him. But along the way, throughout this period, we have people that God was dealing with that have the habit of clinging to the traditions of their ancestors more than the promises that God has. Now, to see a really good example of this, and I'll give you guys a few, but if we look in Genesis chapter 4, we have an account of Adam's descendants, and they do something really strange here. They start calling now for the name of the Lord. Now, you would think they would have a knowledge of the fact that that connection that their ancestor Adam had with God has been severed. So why would they be calling on God's name? The reason is because of a tradition that Adam had that he passed down to them. They've been following that same tradition ever since. See, as time went on, Adam's generation became more and more corrupt. And when God looked out over the world, he saw only one person that was righteous, that person being Noah. He tells him about a judgment 
that he's going to make a flood on the earth. We already we all know the story, whether you whether you grew up in the church or not, right? Noah spends about a hundred years being the stereotypical you know old man with a with a cardboard sign saying that the end is nigh, right? He's telling them that this judgment is coming, this flood is coming. So come to this ark. He's building this ark over this long period of time, and in the end, we already know how this goes. The only people that are saved from God's judgment from that flood is Noah and his family. So why did the people at that time refuse to listen to Noah? Well, it's not just because they thought of Noah as some crazy guy spouting things about the end of the world or something like that. No, it's because they were living in line with the tradition. That same tradition that came from their ancestor, Adam, who mistakenly believed that God was still with them. So when God sent Noah to speak to them, to try to urge them, to get them to listen, to let them know that, hey, it's not too late, come to the ark, they were already comfortable with where they were. It just sounded crazy to them. They were very comfortable in that tradition that has been passed on from generation to generation. The bottom line is that the people at that time were focused on the past. So they lived their lives like they belonged to a generation from the past. Meanwhile, God had already moved on to the future. The Noah's generation, there's something else that happens. See, the pattern appears again. So I won't go super deep into it, but as time went on, Noah's generation, this is the generation that built the Tower of Babel. And through Ham, one of Noah's sons, we have the Canaanite tribes that are a big prominent feature in the, in the Old Testament. So among Noah's descendants, God spoke to Abram. And I think some of you might be might know where I'm going with this. He was later called Abraham. You know, Father Abraham had many sons. Yes, yes, that same one. <laughs> Let's think about it. It's God looking over the world once again and seeing that, oh, this, this whole generation is corrupt again. But there's one righteous person, that person being Abraham. So God makes a promise with him. And for those who are unfamiliar, that promise that God makes with them, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. You know, first of all, you're gonna have a son, even though you're, you and your wife are so old. And even though that sounded so far-fetched, it sounded impossible, Abraham had a choice. Actually, every generation had the same choice when you think about it, because when God gave him that promise, the choice that Abraham and every other person in every generation has is to either believe it or to cling to the traditions of his forefathers. You can choose to believe what God is saying or choose to believe what's been passed on to you. So what did Abraham do? Abraham chose to believe God. In James 2.23, it says that this was credit to him as righteousness. Believing in God's promises, obeying them, that was righteousness. And something deeper than that, which is kind of easy to overlook, is that Abraham was called God's friend as a result of his belief in God's promises. He's the only person in the Bible to have that title. Why? Because while it could have been easier for Abraham to focus on, you know, the physical things that were going on around him, the fact that he was old, that his wife was old, or to cling to the traditions that had been passed down through generation to generation for so long, no, instead he chose to believe God, and in doing so, he aligned his vision with God's. Now think about it. 
as humans, we have friends. When you have a really good friend in your life, you support them. They have plans for their future. You have plans for your future. And as friends, you work together so that, well, you support each other in your visions of the future, right? That's what humans do. That's what friendships do. True friendships, right? Well, by believing in God's promise and acting on it, that was Abraham being God's friend. You see? Even though it was God, God is not human, he's spirit, right? That same uh, process of supporting a friend's vision for the future, aligning with it, it rings true. That's why he was God's friend. Let's skip over a few generations. I could get a lot deeper, but forgive me, I'm going to skip over a few. But I'll say this, in every age that passes by, there is that same pattern. And maybe you picked up on it by now, but it's a pattern of God speaking to people and then people not accepting that God is moving forward. It's like they're keeping one arm, one leg in the past. Let's say God is leading them out of a doorway, out of out of a building, out of a house, whatever. And they've got half their body out the door, but they still have that hand, you know, holding on to the doorknob or something like that, you know. That's kind of what it is, what it's like. We as humans make that mistake of remaining fixated on the past. Another example is when the Israelites are led out of Egypt. God sends Moses, gives him his words. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. You know, don't worry about what to say. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got you, right? He goes to Pharaoh and the end result is with God's help, Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. But what happens? They have just left captivity where they've been for generations and they long to return to Egypt. It's th that kind of thinking seems impossible, but it happens. And that's not the only thing. When God promises them that he'll give them the land of Canaan, they doubt. They don't act in accordance to the promise that God has given them. The people of Israel even persecute the prophets that God sent. The same process happens over and over again. And it happens during the time of the first coming as well. Now, when Jesus came, you would think that with all the prophecies made about the Messiah in the Old Testament, that when the fulfillment of those prophecies came, the people of Israel would be rejoicing and, and just clamoring, climbing over themselves, stopping whatever they're doing to go find Jesus and hear what he has to say. But th that's not what happens. Like that pattern that we have heard examples of again and again, the people of Israel chose to cling to their traditions rather than listen to the one whom God has sent. By looking at their actions, it demonstrates that they were more interested in those traditions, their culture, the things that they were used to, the things that were familiar to them, than what God's word was pointing them towards. If they had understood what God was promising them through the prophets of the Old Testament, they would have believed. But because they were not listening to God and they were focused on themselves, their traditions, again, that culture, right? things that they were familiar with, they missed it. 
only a few people listened and believed and acted accordingly. Only a few. And, well, like every generation of people that believe God's promises, they were persecuted for breaking the traditions that their ancestors had passed down to them. They were thought of as outsiders, as ultimately Jesus was as well. If there's a lesson we can learn from all this, and there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from the Bible, but for today's lesson anyway, is that making a traditional interpretation of God's word your standard? Well, that's a dangerous standard to have because that tradition that's passed on, that's something that's passed on from person group to person group, you see. If we're not paying attention to scripture, if we're not paying attention to what the Bible actually says, if we're not doing like the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17, it's easy for us to mistake what we're so familiar with, what has been passed down to us as truth, when God's word is pointing towards the reality of what God has actually desired for us. I think there's important for us to remember two verses. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 tells us that history, like these examples we pointed out here today, they were written for us as a warning so that we don't make the same mistakes that those in the past did. Another one is Romans 15, 4. It tells us that these things are written down to give us hope. We can see that we follow a God who delivers on his promises regardless of whether tradition acknowledges his actions or not. Because it really doesn't matter what is passed down from one generation to another, what people choose to believe. God is still working. God is continually, continuing to work. And he's been doing so to this very day. So there is a lot of hope for us as believers to hold on to. The things that are promised in the New Testament are the things that we as Christians must be sure that we're ready for today. But let's reflect on the warning quickly. Why would God give us the warnings of the past if we didn't need them? And I mean, Adam's generation, Noah's generation, Israel during their captivity in Egypt, and so many other examples leading up into the first coming. Why would he have taken the trouble to point out all of these mistakes, these examples of people who had missed the boat? Well, like any warning, it's done so that we as believers today don't make the same mistake. One thing about Abraham is that he's pretty admired. In every generation, he is held up as a demonstration of Someone who has absolute faith. God spoke to him. He listened. He believed. And then he acted. Abraham demonstrated his faith by being prepared to trust God's promise. A question that we as believers really ought to ask ourselves is if we're willing, like really willing, that same kind of faith that Abraham had. 
In Luke 18, 8, Jesus himself says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? It's definitely a question for us to keep in mind. So how does this connect to the new year? Well, like I said at the very beginning, New Year's is a time where we make future plans, these big resolutions based on our reflections of the past. But let's break from tradition a little bit. In addition to all those resolutions of going to the gym, of saving money, of accomplishing this goal or that goal, whatever it might be, physically, mentally, whatever. Whether you've been in church your entire life, been a Christian your entire life, or whether you're just listening to this episode right now or opening the Bible and have so many questions about who God really is, what's in his heart, or what his desire is. Well, I was thinking a really good resolution for us to have this year is to try to be like Abraham. To be someone that knows God's promises, accepts it, and walks it out, obeys it fully. In reading Revelation chapters 21 and 22, it lets us know that when God's goals are achieved, our goals and desires will be achieved too. Again, that's like Abraham aligning his vision with God's. The hard part is breaking tradition because tradition has a long lineage of generation to generation. It's been passed down. It's been carried around a lot. So breaking that is hard. I get that. That's the same for anyone. But when God's promises are set before you, That choice, that choice is all yours. Either you obey God's promises or you carry on with that tradition. And like the generations in the past, miss out on what God's heart, his plan, his desire has been all along. Reconnection with him. So if this episode really touched something in you, if it really made you wow, wow, I want to make some, I want to make big plans. I want to be God's friend this year. Yeah. Well, feel free to send us an email, send us a message anytime. We love to hear hear them. Um, I personally love to read them. And if you're interested in studying, let us know as well. We have programs set up where we can connect you to someone so that you can be that person that has that full understanding of God's word. Well, again. Happy New Year to everyone. And as always, this has been Ray. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share with others. Sharing is indeed caring. I know we say it a lot here. (laughs) But yeah, this has been Ray. And you've been listening to Reconnect. We'll see you guys next time. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.